Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed and welcome back to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. For many survivors of the wine country or campfire, the announcement that the PG&E Fire Victim Trust will soon begin to pay out emergency payments of up to $25,000 to those who lost property or suffered injuries in wildfires has been a long time coming. The trust was created to disperse the $13.5 billion PG&E must pay wildfire claims after the utility's bankruptcy. We'll get the latest on efforts of fire victims to get financial help and hear why it's still not too late to file a claim. Joining us is Lily Jamali, co-host and correspondent for KQED's A California Report. And welcome, Lily. Hi, Michael. Hi. Good to have you. Also good to have Kathy Yoni with us, Claims Administrator for the Fire Victim Trust. Welcome, Kathy Yoni. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Lily. Glad to have you both aboard here. And uh, let me begin, Lily, with you. Where do things stand now with the trustees earlier this month ordering these emergency payments of $25,000? This is kind of a first-round down payment, isn't it? Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. This money is part of a settlement between PG&E and fire victims. So uh, the PG&E funded this trust a couple of months ago as they emerged from bankruptcy, and half of it is cash, half of it is in PG&E stock. Um, and at this point, you know, these are short-term what the trustee has called humanitarian payments for fire victims who need the money now. They're going to be distributing up to $25,000 for now uh, towards whatever the final value uh, the trust determines is owed to folks. And, um, you know, people do need this money now. Two years after the campfire, we're three years after the North Bay fires. There are still a lot of people in dire, you know, dire circumstances living, um, you know, in temporary quarters. They're fighting with their insurance companies in some cases. And so not everyone has been able to rebuild or move into a new place and move on. Well, if anything, the pandemic has just made things all that much more harsh and exacerbated things. But it hasn't, uh, it's my understanding that the judges granted some exemptions uh, to some to appeal, uh, but just really a, a limited few. Yes. Um, so uh, it, in the final weeks of the bankruptcy, there was this uh, hearing in which a, a handful of people, I think it might have been three or four families actually, uh, sort of by a fluke, uh, secured the ability to appeal if they don't like what the trust gives them as part of the settlement, to appeal to an outside court. Uh, everyone else, all, you know, to, I think it's up to 80,000 people, will have to, um, you know, appeal within the trust system. Uh, they will not be able to seek outside, um, you know, uh, judiciary review. And one of the controversies there was that one of those families uh, happens to be uh, the mom in that family, the, the, the wife uh, is a bankruptcy lawyer who happens to represent one of the hedge funds in this case that was negotiating against fire survivors. And you've been talking to a lot of these fire survivors. What, what questions are foremost in their minds have you found? 
I mean, the big one is always when is this money going to get dispersed? And, you know, I, I think the trust uh, has a really complicated task because of the fact that half of the money was funded in the form of PG&E stock. So they don't have a finite amount that they're dealing with here. Um, and it's, by the way, you know, for folks who are interested in, in bankruptcy and how it works, this is a very unusual circumstance. I've only come across one other circumstance where um, a trust for tort victims was funded with stock. Um, and, and what it does is it means that the trust doesn't have a finite number of dollars in it. Every, you know, on a given day when PG&E stock goes up or down, the value of the trust goes up, up by half a billion dollars or down by half a billion dollars. So, um, so I, I imagine it must be a very difficult task. Uh, and I imagine that that's why they uh, tried to, you know, speed up the timeline to at least get a little bit of money into people's hands quickly. The other question I get a lot is about lawyers' fees, because during the course of the bankruptcy, uh, I think a lot of people ended up pretty disillusioned with um, with some of the lawyers, not all of them, uh, but some of the lawyers in the case, there's been concern about, you know, having to hand over a large chunk of their final settlement money to lawyers. Some are charging, you know, 33% plus expenses, others less. Um, but, you know, we at KQED have reported on one particular lawyer who signed up more clients than any other in the case, uh, taking funds from hedge funds, uh, pitted against survivors in this case. So there is some mistrust there. But again, you know, it really depends on the individual lawyers and different people have had different experiences there. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the total amount of money. It was uh, 13 and a half billion. It's already, in terms of stocks, it's already not performed well enough to... Uh, been reduced to about 11.2. That's the latest reading, at least, that I had. Lily Jamali with us from the California Report. And uh, we're going to talk to Kathy Yoni of the Fire Victims Trust. But first, we wanted to bring in someone who has been through, well, the fires, Cheryl Maynard, who, is, uh, lo who lost her condo back in 2018 in the Paradise Fire. And Cheryl Maynard, good to have you. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Well, tell us your story. I know you had a place you were very happy with, and uh, now you're in a place you're not too happy with. And what's been the difficulty in terms of getting money? Um, it's been very challenging. I thought I had great insurance with State Farm. I found out I didn't have great insurance. I had 20000 in contents and 20000 in structure, and I'd been with State Farm for 35 years. So um, that was a rude awakening. Yeah, a rude awakening and a very frustrating one, I must say. Um, but if if you would have had the PG&E money, it would have made a big deal of difference in terms of the timing here and what you could have done? Huge, huge difference because I was just kicked out of um, my home. My, P my State Farm insurance was paying for my um, living arrangements up to November 7th of this just last week. And I, if I would have had more money from the trust of sooner. I did have HOA insurance that I wasn't aware of, so that gave me a certain amount of money as well. And if I would have had more money, I wouldn't have ended up in a mobile home with dirty carpet, dirty walls. I was not living at this quality of life before. I'm grateful I have a roof. I know of people that are squatting on land in paradise in the dirt where they were renting from former landlords and now they're just living in the dirt there. I know of, I've heard of people because my friend still lives there. I've heard of people that um, can't afford to rebuild even though they owned homes. 
and they can't afford to rebuild in this current market. PG&E has made it impossible for our, our survivors to rebuild in the state of California because they've caused so many fires. And the trust money would have helped me so much if I had gotten it sooner. I may have been able to buy a condo down here if I would just had twenty-five dollars to $40,000 more money. Well, I wish you the best. I'm sorry for what you've been through, and I hope the money indeed does come through when you can move out of uh, the mobile home, and which is not giving you the happiness, obviously, that you had before, back into a condo that uh, suits you. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your being with us this morning. That's Cheryl Maynard, who lost her condo in the 2018 Paradise Fire. Let me bring Kathy Yanni into this claims administrator with the Fire Victim Trust. And Kathy, first things first here, how do fire victims get this preliminary payment? What do they do? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I'm very sympathetic to Cheryl's story. And the trust is doing everything we can to push out payments, which is why we're doing the preliminary payments, but it, it is a very difficult situation for all the fire survivors, for sure. So in order to obtain a preliminary payment, you need to have filed a claim in the bankruptcy, and as Lily referenced, there are 80,000 people and businesses who filed in the bankruptcy, and then you need to file a claim in the Fire Victims Trust, and once you file a claim in the Victims Trust, uh, you need to give us information about your real property, your personal losses, and then most importantly, sign the claims questionnaire document under penalty of perjury. We are going to review every single claim we get. So we currently have about 40,000 people who've applied for payments from the trust, and we have about 5,000 folks who have submitted their claims and signed them and we are currently reviewing them and we are going to get payments out next week the first group of payments and you're going to go through every claim to determine eligibility every, i understand that uh every single one what about people who need help in this whole process you have a actually you have a, a claim center with about 80 people at work here and they can get free help through that right we have a claim center and i can give you the phone number one eight 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 six six four one one five two and they are uh open from eight in the morning till six at night they help people all day long every day the both the people who are represented and unrepresented and we have spanish speakers the documents are in spanish we're doing our absolute best to help people and try to make the process as uh, smooth as possible and as long as you've been good enough to give your phone number, Kathy, I'll give ours, and I'll invite listeners to join us. If you have questions for Kathy or if you have questions in general about what we're discussing here, which is really the payments that PG&E is obliged by the law to give to those who have suffered, uh, the survivors of fires, whether it's property loss or, for that matter, businesses, we do want to hear from you and hear what your questions and concerns are. You can call us now at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. Again, I'll repeat that. It's 866-733-6786. If you'd like to join the program, you can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you may have right now to forum at kqed.org. And let me just go back to you, Kathy, for a moment. Uh, why should the trustee essentially be able to make decisions that fire survivors aren't allowed to appeal in a court? The way the trust was formed, it is a standalone process 
funded by the settlement between PG&E, <coughs> excuse me, and the claimants. <coughs> and uh, it is a standalone fund that is going to pay all the claimants. And because of that, there's the part of the agreement to create the trust was that we would have final authority over the claims. And that is not unusual for a, a trust at all. Or, or like in a mass tort, it's not unusual for a mass tort settlement to be the uh, entity by which the claims get paid without an exit to the court system. But again, if they do submit a claim, it has to be submitted under penalty of perjury with that step involved, right? Correct. Signing that document. You know, let me bring a caller on here. We've got Will, who joins us from Santa Rosa. Will, you're on the air. Welcome. Uh, thanks very much, and I really appreciate this discussion. I think it's really important for uh, for victims of the fires as well as the public to understand the implications here. And um, and as um, a PG&E claimant, uh, I'm concerned about the the recent uh, fires and the liability that PG&E might have associated with that. Um, you know, there's been a recent Cal Fire report indicating that PG&E caused the Kincaid fire. There's been a lot of questions and new evidence around the Zog fire and the glass fire in terms of whether PG&E caused those fires and just not trying to understand if investors make uh, particular moves, given that evidence, um, you know, where does that leave the victim's trust and, and, and how are we tracking on that to make sure victims are uh, receiving that $13.5 billion. Yeah, thank you for that. And let me go back to you, if I may, on this, Lily Jamali. I mean, you've got people who, for example, a couple of years after the Paradise Fire, survivors still waiting uh, and wrangling with insurers. Uh, I mean, this can be extraordinarily frustrating. It must be really disheartening. Lily, can I go to you? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, when the Zog fire uh, a couple of weeks ago, the the PG&E filed um, a, some uh, some paperwork with the CPUC, basically telling regulators there that uh, Cal Fire was looking at its equipment and, and basically hinting that there was an investigation going on into potential involvement of PG&E equipment in causing that fire. And what was really interesting, that was on a Friday, the after hours trading uh, of the PG&E stock really went off a cliff for you know that afternoon, but by Monday it had rebounded. And the reason I bring that up is because um, I, I think that there may be a little bit of insulation of the stock happening because of AB 1054, which was this law that was passed last summer, and it was aimed at shoring up the investor-owned utilities across the state. Um, effectively, it creates an insurance fund for future fires. So there is that, um, you know, that insurance policy in place, if you will. It was very controversial among a lot of fire victims when it was passed. But I bring that up just because the Zog fire and other fires, you know, there's potentially other fires out there that PG&E will, um, you know, will be investigated for. Uh, this is a real issue when it comes to how this fund, this trust was funded. The fact that it was funded half in PG&E stock means that the, the um, fortunes of fire victims waiting to get, uh, you know, any kind of recovery here is in part dependent on how PG&E as a company performs. Um, and there's a lot of skepticism uh, around this company, given, you know, the fact that earlier this year they pleaded guilty to manslaughter, 84 manslaughter charges for causing the campfire. Um, so there is that distrust, but in a way, um, this trust forces uh, fire victims to wait and hope that PG&E performs well as a company. 
Again, Lily Jamali is co-host and correspondent with KQED's A California Report. And Kathy Yanni is claims administrator with the Fire Victim Trust. Could you say something, Kathy, about what the trust needs from fire survivors or insurers, for that matter, that they're not getting or they haven't gotten yet, especially to move this process along? Well, um, on behalf of the uh, fire victims, we need them to submit their claims, either themselves or, or with the lawyers who represent them. As I said, get the claims in, get them documented, and we're as a ongoing reviewing claims, and we can uh, pay claims as soon as, as soon as we roll them in the door. Um, this first group of payments will go out before Thanksgiving. We're going to continue the preliminary payment program. Um, th throughout this uh, history of the trust, we will also begin giving out payments on, uh, in addition to the preliminary payments as soon as possible. So we are making payments starting next week and we're gonna continue to do that. Um, and the commissioner, Laura, has requested the insurers extend the time for additional living ex expenses uh, which would definitely will help Cheryl and also get people uh, an extension of time in which to apply for uh, claim, uh, excuse me, code updates and also costs of repair. Now, this so, is being termed and characterized as humanitarian money, but it's money certainly that's due and owed. And I want to bring another caller on. That's Alex. Alex, join us. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. There's a new requirement for social security numbers and those of us that have lost everything and have had our, our credit ruined because of people scamming. This is kind of a strange thing to be asking from traumatized people. So I'm wondering what the rationale is behind this. Why do you need a social security number, Kathy Yoni? We ask for the social security number and we use it as an identification. It's how we ID that you are the person uh, that you say you are or and or you're the person who owned the property. We did it in the wildfire assistance program. It's, it's basically an identifier. And in the wildfire assistance program, we had 20,000 people apply for payments and we had 20,000, maybe minus 10 uh, social security numbers. But it's, it's commonly done and it's, it helps us pay people quicker. Uh, we've got seconds left. I want to get a final word from you, Lily Jamali. Uh, how do you think this process is going to unfold now that it's in kind of motion, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all watching very closely. Um, I, I think the big question is, you know, at the end of all of this, how much... Uh, will people end up recovering and over what period of time? Are they going to get 50 cents on the dollar over five years or are they going to get full recovery here when all is said and done? And I did want to just um, piggyback off of something that Ms. Yanni said about um, the insurance commissioner um, asking insurance companies to extend living expenses. Unfortunately, that came just days after the two-year mark of the campfire. So I think that a lot of people are wishing that determination or that letter would have come a little bit sooner. They were kind of stressed and forced into making decisions they might otherwise might not have. Well, we will continue, obviously, to monitor this. I want to thank Lily Jamali of the California Report and Kathy Yanni of the Fire Victim Trust, and thank you, our listeners. We're here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11, an hour repeated, 10 to 11 in the evening. Thank you for being a part of this morning's program. Please stay safe. I'm Michael Krasny.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.